the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. Welcome to the Instructor Podcast. As always, I am your splendid host, Terry Cook, and I'm delighted to be here and even more delighted that you have chosen to listen. This is a show where I speak to leaders, experts, innovators and game changers to look at ways that we can improve your driving school and maybe even help you become a more awesome driving instructor. And today is no exception. I've got a wonderful episode for you today featuring Zoe Hawkins and Joe Wheatley from the Coaching Crowd podcast. We dive into looking at how coaching fits into our industry from an outsider's perspective. Uh, We speak about goal setting, we talk about their history of learning to drive and uh, we also find out more about their business as well. So excellent episode and we'll get into that shortly. But just before we do, I'd like to take a moment to ask you to share this show. So share it on social media, share it in your WhatsApp groups, share it with your local associations, share it wherever you can. We're always looking for ways to grow the show. And if you feel extra nice, you can even leave me a five-star review. You can do that on places like Facebook and on Apple and even on Spotify. But on Apple and Facebook, you can leave some words as well. So I look forward to hearing more of your wonderful reviews. Speaking of which, I do have one for you at the end of today's show. I've got uh, one of my latest reviews over on Apple. So hang about to the end and I'll be reading that review out as well. But for now, let's get stuck into the show. And we're now joined by Joe Wheatley and Zoe Hawkins of The Coaching Crowd. How are we both doing? Good, thank you. Yeah, great to be here. Excellent. Well, uh, I'm, I'm chuffed to have you both on. I'm going to start by uh, giving a little shout out to uh, one of my listeners, Les Hopkinson, who specifically requested you two to come on the show and pointed me in the direction of your podcast, which I have since fallen in love with. Um, so anyone listening now, make sure you go and check that out. But uh, I'm really pleased you've both joined me. And the first question I like to ask my guests is basically around the tagline of the show which is I speak to experts, leaders, innovators, and game changers. So let's start with you, Zoe. Uh, Which one of those, or ones of those, do you think that you fall into? I mean, I like the sound of them all. (laughs) So (laughs) if if anybody relates to me as all of them, then that's amazing. I think I see myself as a leader uh, and and leading in the field of, of coaching, I, you know, I, I appeal to all of the taglines, but I think leader is the one which sits most comfortably with me. Awesome. And yourself, Joe? Yeah, I, th- I think we're seen as leaders. I think I also like to be seen as a change maker. I think that our approach to coaching and mentoring is different to other coaches and also other coach training bodies and organisations because our particular area of focus is around emotions coaching. And I think in that way, we are change makers in the way that we uh, support people as coaches. Yeah, it's See, I always think that's going to be the most challenging question on the show, but you've already told me what will be your most challenging question today, and that'll be at the end, so we'll catch up with that one later, but um, yeah, yeah, I think I'd agree with us. Well, while speaking to yourself, Joe, do you want to tell us a little bit about you, and also a little bit about the coaching crowd? Yeah, um, so, well, Zoe and I met in, well, we started a business in 2011, but we actually met when we were studying for our master's, and we supported each other throughout our HR careers. 
And then um, yeah, ultimately we formed a business together in 2011, which is a coaching business. And the coaching crowd was born out of our business and our love and passion for coaching and bringing people together into a community. So the coaching crowd started as a group on Facebook, which is free to access, full of coaching resources, discussions. And we started by doing live videos in the coaching crowd. And then in November last year, 2021, we launched the Coaching Crowd podcast and that's been hugely popular. It's, it went to number one in the UK business careers charts and has continued to chart in the top 10 since then. So we've always talked about coaching behind the scenes and often we would have said, oh, if only we could have recorded that. There was actually some useful stuff in there. And then obviously one day we decided that that we would make that available to people. So we are very keen to make coaching resources available to people free to access because not everybody has a budget to be able to do a full-blown coaching qualification. But we then obviously go all the way up through to offering master's level coaching qualifications. So we first and foremost are a coaching training organisation offering introductory, intermediate and advanced coaching training and also CPD for coaches, so continued professional development. And then Zoe and I also coach in our own right. Awesome. Uh, anything you want to add to that, Zoe? No, I think it's well covered. I think, as you know, Terry, when you do something like podcasting, it's always a labour of love, isn't it? You know, and, and the opportunity just to share what you're passionate about is something both Joe and I enjoy and and it happens to be our business. So I think we're very fortunate in that space. Yeah, and um, we'll definitely come back to those later on. But I mean, just on the podcast, I mentioned it before, and anyone listening, um, I think it translates really well for driving instructors. I think there's a lot of stuff that we can take from that. And I'm a big believer in going out and testing something. So, you know, people can go out and check out your podcast and, and find out if you're right for them. And I think that's a, a really good place to start. But uh, this is the podcast for driving instructors. And today we, we're sort of primarily talking about coaching. And speaking before I clicked record, uh, there's a lot of um, mixed feelings, shall we say, in our industry about coaching. There are people that swear by it and say there is no other approach. And there are people that say that it is um, the work of the devil, burn it with fire and everything in between. Uh, so I think I want to start off by asking you your definition of coaching. So I'd be keen to see if you kind of share the same sort of idea on it if you've got a slightly different take. So we'll, we'll, we'll go with you. So what would your definition on coaching be? I think in its really simplest format, coaching, well, coaching is a process firstly. And what that process does is it enables you to facilitate helping somebody from where they are right now to where they want to get to. So I guess in its simplest form, from someone who doesn't know how to drive to somebody who passes their driving test. And, and those goals are uh, can be anything and wide ranging in the field of coaching. So that's it in its, in its simplistic format. But obviously, there's a lot of sophistication that can go into coaching. It's about listening deeply to somebody, the things that they do say, as well as the things that they don't say. And as Joe shared, we have a very special interest in emotions. And I should imagine lots of your students have a whole range of emotions when they come to, to learning to drive. I remember it myself. And so coaching is about being very compassionate, but also courageous around understanding where somebody is at on their journey and how easy or hard their goal might be and being able to tailor the support that you give them 
to support them in their journey to achieving what they want to achieve. And I mean, we can, as you know, talk for hours about coaching, but I think in its simplest format, that is how I would define it. Yeah, I think you mentioned emotions there as well. It's, it's something I didn't anticipate as much of coming into this this job in the, the you go from the extremes of like the fear and the genuine fear of actually just starting a car to you know when they pass or when they, they do some uh, that they're proud of for the first time and that that, that joyousness is the range of emotions you can get just from like a two-hour driving lesson is, is crazy but um it, w- would you have a, a similar take there joe is there anything you would you would add differently or yeah um so he's described it in its simplest form and i think that we call it the gap, the difference between where somebody is now and where they want to get to. And, and what we coach people around is what exists in that gap. So we talk about the emotions there that people experience, which are normal, natural reactions for people to have when they're doing something new for the first time. But what is it that um, that gets them stuck or is generating a response that isn't helpful for them to achieve their goal? Is it their beliefs, for example, about you know who they are some people might think well, I'm not a driver or I'm not old enough to do it I haven't had enough experience or is it their beliefs about the person that they're working with because when I think look back I think I don't think I got to choose my driving instructor I think my parents said right we've booked you know we've booked you driving lessons and it's the same with coaching I could be a fantastic coach for an individual but not all individuals some individuals you know they would be a better match with another coach and so what we work with is is what's in the gap, whether that is their beliefs or if it's their capability. There's a whole range of things that might exist in that and helping them to figure out what's in the gap and how we can bridge it for them or support them to bridge the gap. Yeah, I must admit that that term about coaching the gap, I first came across that through your podcast. And that was one of the, you know, those light bulb moments. It's, I think it's what I was doing anyway, but I didn't have a terminology for it. And I've actually brought that into mm. lessons some that I speak about now, which is cool. But you also mentioned there about, you know, not choosing your instructor. I mean, just when it comes to coaching, I would assume you take a similar approach to that in, you know, if you would want the coachee to choose the coach in that sense, you don't want someone to work with you that doesn't want to work with you. Is that what you concur with? Yes. We have the chemistry conversations. That's the term that's used in, in the field of coaching. Um, or sometimes they're called a discovery course. It's the opportunity for the individual that wants to engage in coaching to have a conversation with you as the coach, but also, you know, ideally two, three different coaches so that they then can uh, make that decision who they want to work with and get excited about working with that person. Sometimes when we've worked, if you work with an organisation, you know, they'll want to choose the coach, but they still will be a chemistry call. And in all honesty, you know, 99% of the time, the person does want to work with you and they're excited at the end of that chemistry conversation. But there's something very important in coaching, which is about permission. You know, the person having permission, having control themselves about um, who they're working with and choice, which is another fundamental part of coaching which is enabling the person to recognize the choices that they're making that are keeping them stuck and to be able to identify new options and choices that they can make in order to help them achieve that end goal that they are working towards yeah and it's interesting there because i'm kind of flashing back to when i first became an instructor i worked with a, a national school and i'm independent now and when I was with the national school, I would get students sent to me. So they wouldn't choose me. They'd mm. go to the national school, they'd send me. And I got on with most of them. Um, but 
since I've been independent, I get on so much better with my students. And I've realized the difference is they're choosing me. Whereas before they were choosing this national school. Now they're either listening to my podcasts or they're seeing my stuff online and thinking, I want to be with that person. That's who I want to teach me. And we've already got like a bit of a connection there. So um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's really relevant. But I, I want to ask you a little bit about coaching and, and maybe potentially some of the misconceptions. So I'll, I'll come back to you, Zoe, because one of the things I'll see a lot in the sort of social media for, for instructors and whatnot is that coaches can never tell. The, the job of a coach is purely to ask questions. We're never allowed to actually answer the question. What would your response to that be? I think there's a continuum in coaching. There's a continuum in coaching between the purest sense, which is only asking questions. And at the other end, I think there is what we would describe as mentoring, which is um, I have experience of this. Let me share it with you. And, you know, and let me tell you, you know, what, what you can do and some of your options. But wherever you are on this continuum, our belief is that great mentors or perhaps instructors, more traditional instructors, are also great coaches. And great coaches can also be great mentors. And the important thing is you need to know where you're operating on that continuum. So if you're a coach, but actually what you're doing is telling somebody what to do all the time, then that's misrepresenting coaching and and who you are and what your approach is. I think there is a place for all of it, depending on what the client needs. So I think it would be incredibly frustrating in a coaching session to be asking question after question after question and your client asking, um, do you have, like, I'm really stuck here. Have you got any ideas? And as the coach at that point, you have to make choices around, is it appropriate for me to share or is it not appropriate for me to share? And one of the things that we look at in coaching is what would that do to the relationship? So would it enhance the relationship? Would it continue to build rapport or might it disrupt some of the power balance? Um, and, I, and I think in your industry, you know, there is obviously a place for instructing, you know, that you're coming to learn to drive and there is a place where you're going to need instruction. There's also a huge place for empowerment and enabling the person to feel like they also have resources and things to bring to the table. I think the important piece is know where you are operating. So are you operating at the mentoring end? And if so, how come? Is that in the best interest of your client? Or are you operating at the coaching end? And again, if so, how come? You know, all of these skills along that continuum will do different things. And I think the more awareness you have of what you're doing and when you're doing it and why you're doing it, that's essentially what you can gain from, um, you know, so from from coaching training, for example. I, I think flexibility is fundamental to this, you know, being able to meet your client where your client is at. So when they get in the car for the first time and let's say the instructor says, OK, start the engine, the individual might not know how to start the engine. So they need to be able to to tell them. They could say, well, where do you think it is? But I think as Zoe's describing at that stage, really what you're doing is building rapport, building trust and confidence in the relationship. And you're also working out how can we best work together um, and then as the individual develops ultimately your job is to get them to the point where they can analyze things for themselves make their own decisions and so they'll probably move further and further along that continuum from being 
you know, directive, telling them what to do, to being non-directive and helping them to recognise and build confidence that, wow, actually, I know more than I think I know. But if the question is asked and the individual is, you know, their self-esteem is quite fragile and they're not sure. And they, for example, had an experience at school where the teachers would just ask them questions because they knew they didn't know the answers and they just felt worse and worse. Then that isn't going to help that individual in that circumstance at that point. Yeah, it's fascinating the answers you gave there, because I know when I first started, I was... um... I massively underestimated my students. So I was like that eight, 80s mindset driving instructor when I first started. And, and I, I expected the students to know nothing. So I would just come in and, and start preaching to them. And it, it took me a little while to, to reevaluate. And But even now I'll get a new student to come in and I'll say about driving. I'll say, okay, let, let's see what you do now. What do those pedals do? And all of a sudden they'll start telling you what the pedals do or, or give you enough idea. And then you'll see their confidence grow. Because they suddenly realize, oh, I do actually know a little bit. They won't know everything, but they maybe know more than than they realize. But I think you also mentioned a, a couple uh, previously about your experience driving, or, or when you uh, sorry, when you learned to drive. Did uh, so? I'll ask you this one, one Joe. When when you learned to drive, can you remember? Was it sort of more do this, do this, do this, or was the coaching involved? Yeah, it's more do well. I had a I had a mixture. So my dad actually took me out driving in in our in our family car, and he had more confidence in me than I had in myself by a long way. And he would take me up through these windy lanes, and I'd be like oh, panicking, saying, "I can't. What if a car comes round?" And he'd be like, "It's okay. Just do this. Just do that." So by the time I got to have my um, lessons, I wasn't completely green. But my, I actually wanted to go for my test before my driving instructor wanted me to go for it. So my driving instructor actually said to me, you are not ready to take your test. And I said, I am ready to take my test. Can, can you put me in for it? And I felt like actually the driving instructor at that point, I felt like, are you trying to, to get more money out of me? Because I believe that, you know, that I'm ready to do it. And I did. I passed the test um, the first time. I think the same for driving instructors as coaches. We have to look out for our ego within this. So we mentioned the power dynamic earlier on. And it's something that, that we need to be conscious of. You know, as, as coaches, we don't know everything. So what we bring to the relationship is a deep curiosity um, and fascination. And it's about enabling our clients to actually, uh, you know, hold more of the space, if you like, than we do. So it, in the example I'm giving, my driving instructor was very helpful in supporting me to learn how to drive. But there was a point at which they needed to step out of the way and, you know, and enable and uh, and encourage me to make my own decisions. Because maybe I maybe I wouldn't have passed my test. But what would I have learned from that? And maybe that was an important part would be an important part in the way that I learn as an individual. As we know, all individuals have different learning styles. So some people learn through doing more than they learn from listening, you know, that auditory instruction and so on. I mean, just, just to use that example there, because that's something that, that I encounter where I'll have students saying that they're ready and they're quite demonstrably not in the situations I'm thinking of. Um, mm. What could that instructor have done? Because what I might do there was just how about we do a mock test? Rather than just booking your mm. test, we could maybe do take this mm. approach and see how we get on. So what could your instructor have done there maybe that would have facilitated you 
they may have done that terry and i just can't remember you know because it was you know that oh gosh you know because that was say 25 well it would be 25 years ago um I think, you know, I just remember the bits that stood, that stand out yeah. to me, which is what I'm sharing with you today. So, yeah, that would be helpful because it would satisfy the instructor. And obviously it's his job to make sure that I'm safe to drive on the road and that I he's setting me up for success to pass my test. Um, and it would also give me the give me the confidence, you know, to be able to do that. So, yes, I, I would find that helpful. And as you're describing it, you're asking me, how about if we do this? And then I can say yes or no, I don't think you know, that I need to do that and I love driving I've always loved being in the car I love that time on my own and I remember you you pass your test don't you but then you've almost got to learn to drive beyond that so I remember passing the test and then turning the music on you know thinking oh my gosh how do I drive with the music (laughs) on (laughs) you know that's another distraction or we were talking earlier about driving on the motorway or in different condition road conditions um so part of what you're learning I think through lessons is is a, a driver mindset yeah um it's not only the practical skills of driving but also how to remain calm under pressure or you know in the face of new circumstances that you haven't predicted i think that's uh that driver mindset is a, is a term i use a lot as well it's like asking what you where you're going to go what things you're going to encounter when you have passed your test and you're out by yourself and how can we practice that on lessons but yeah, I find that fascinating. Uh, what about your lessons, Zoe? Can you recall what your lessons were like? Do you know, my lessons, not so much. I remember um, the person I learned with was much older. So he was, he, he, I remember thinking of him more like a parental figure because he was an older gentleman. Um, I remember him being patient and kind. I can't say much on the approach, but interestingly, I didn't pass my test first time and I had two very different test experiences. And I remember turning up and one guy sort of got in the car, literally silent and was like, right, let's go. Didn't say a word to me pretty much for the whole thing. I was, I was petrified, not of the, not of the test, but of the person sat next to me who felt very intimidating, who felt very schoolmastery. And it put me off, like completely put me off. And, uh, and I'm, you know, I made a number of mistakes and didn't pass the test. And then in the second one, when I rebooked, the guy got in and he's like, all right, where are we going today then? Just very personal, very chirpy. And I immediately relaxed and, and, and he was chatting to me, you know, not to interrupt me, but just, you know, letting me know, well done, like giving me some element of feedback. And, and I think that is, uh, as Joe's described there, like, the mindset of the person next to you can um, can really influence how your client is experiencing their lessons. So I think in coaching, we always say like, never underestimate what you bring into the space. Like as the coach, as the practitioner, as the instructor, you will influence the relationship and the success or failure of your client's ambitions. Um, and I and as we talked before around coaching style and matches, like we have to be flexible as practitioners, as instructors, to meet the needs of our our client. Because you know, back then, I was very uh, I was a very nervous person. You know, when it came to meeting new people, I was all right in my very safe sort of space of friendships, but actually strangers would scare me. Um, and so I do think there is a big element of um, what do we bring into the room when we're with people? Yeah, I, I must admit, I'm, uh, I'm regretting asking that question now because you both passed quicker than I did. I passed <laughs> four times and on one of my tests, I got in the wrong car. 
So that tells you my mindset going for a driving system. But yeah, just touching back on what, what you were saying there, Zoe, about uh, sort of the impact we have, that's, I, I can always remember, that's some I've always had good feedback about. It's like I make feel, people feel comfortable. And it always fascinates me the number of students I'll get from other instructors that have left that instructor because they don't feel comfortable, whether it's because they've been shouted at or spoken down to, or that instructor's using techniques they don't like. But I just rewinding back even further to what we were saying earlier about um, coaching and, and when to potentially tell or when to instruct. And I think this is a another misconception that, that driving instructors have. It's the idea that you can instruct, you can only coach. And I think that one of the ways I look at, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, is at the side of the road, that's the perfect opportunity when you're pulled up to have those coaching conversations. And you can let the, the learner, you know, control those conversations, whether it's a brief conversation, whether they want to spend 20 minutes telling you about all their fears. But when you're driving and they're about to crash into a bus, you don't say, how are we going to avoid this bus? You say, stop, or you use the pedals. Is that kind of the, the mentality you would take in that sense? Yeah, I think what you're talking about there is contracting. That's what we call it in coaching is like, actually, when do we do the different things that we're going to do in this relationship? And I think that's really important in terms of setting expectations. So if you're saying like, my role here is yes, to help you to learn how to drive. My role is also to keep you safe. And so when we're driving and I say, stop, my expectation is that you will listen and stop. When we're at the side of the road, I may ask you questions around how you think you're doing. My expectation there is that you'll share more of what's going on. You know, what would you expect from me? You know, and it's a two-way conversation so that your relationship is, is mutual and you both have really clear expectations around how the experience is, is going to be. Because if, if there isn't an expectation around the instruction side of things, then that might be where the client experiences conflict or resistance because they're like, oh, hang on a minute. I wasn't expecting you to be telling me things or, or as Joe's described, if they're being asked questions all of the time and that comes a surprise, their internal critic might be, am I not doing things right? Why is he asking me all these questions? Like, what is he, you know, what's he thinking that I'm, that I'm not doing so well? So it's just got to be clear, I think. And that's what we call in coaching contracting so that we both know what's happening in this relationship and how the experience is going to be for both of us. And it just takes away uh, the confusion, the potential for conflict, and also probably some anxiety around not, the not knowing. Yeah. I mean, that that's interesting for me because I, I'd not put two and two together before because one of the things, again, we do as instructors is we talk about who's taking responsibility for what. So it might be we're, you know, driving early on in the lessons, we're driving down the road, they're going to take the left turn. So they may take the responsibility for setting off, pulling up, and the left turn but I may take responsibility for helping them get around the parked car, for example. But if we don't discuss that beforehand, they may then potentially having a problem going around that parked car. So I find that that's that putting two together and coming up with forward. I've never done that before, but I want to move on a little bit and speak about goal setting, because this is something that, again, is another sort of hot topic in our industry and in that the, the, the learners come out to the car and there are instructors out there that are massively against the idea of, letting the learners set or at least help set their goal. But in terms of a coach and a coachee or an instructor-student relationship, Joel, who should be setting the goal there for the lesson, do you think? 
I think this is very closely related to the contracting that we were just talking about. So if um, if the instructor asks the client, you know, what does success look like to you at the end of today's lesson? I think that's a nice, casual, um, but also focused way to start to talk about goals. And some clients will be able to answer that question easily. And they'll say, you know, today, I just really like to learn how to start the engine and pull away without kangarooing down the street. And somebody else might respond to that same question and say, well, I don't know, what do you normally do on a first lesson or a second lesson, wherever that not tends to come uh, in the programme? And so that's where you need the flexibility, you know, because some some clients are going to need, they're going to want to drive it because they're thinking, I'm paying for this, so I want you to teach me what I think you need to teach me over these lessons. And another client might have no clue. They're like, well, I'm paying you the money. You you tell me what you need to teach me in order for me to pass my um, test. And in coaching, we, we don't tend to talk about shoulds, um, we tend to talk about coulds. So um, who could set the goals? Well, either. Um, but ideally, together, you co-create them. You know, you align together on what the plan is. So I'm guessing that people are still buying, purchasing a number of driving lessons. Let's say they buy 10 or 15. However many is the average amount, maybe, that, that somebody uh, needs in order to pass their test or perhaps can afford at a particular point in time. Maybe they'll split it up a bit more. So I think you would have you would agree and align on what we call the program goals. So let's say the block of lessons that they've purchased, what does success look like at the end of those? And then how do we break that up lesson by lesson so that we have a plan for how we can get there? So I see it as being co-created rather than one or the other. I uh, I love that phrase, what would success look like at the end of the lesson? That's better than mine, which is what would you like to achieve by the end of today's lesson? I'm going to steal that. Uh, I'll be using that on lessons today. <laughs> but I, I think that's right. I think that, you know, we can ask that question. They can tell us what they want to achieve, and then we can help them plan how they're going to achieve it. Um, but I know that one of the models uh, that, that you speak about on the podcast a little bit, and I know it's, it's quite common in, in, in sort of coaching situations, is the grow model. And there are instructors that use it. It's something that I, it's a weird one because it's something that I use, but without thinking about it. I think it's just something that that comes natural. But for anyone that doesn't know, do you want to sort of explain the GROW model for us, Zoe? So the, the G stands for goal which is all about setting outcomes as we've just described there. So, um, you know, co-creating or aligning on the outcome for the session. And that might be an hour lesson. It might be a 10 minute conversation. It, it doesn't really matter. It's just like, right, we've got 10 minutes to, to debrief on your lesson today. You know, what would you like to achieve from this debrief? It's, you know, light touch. And it's worth exploring a little bit around, um, you know, what makes that goal important to the person? You know, how is that goal going to make a difference? So really kind of getting clarity before you move on into the conversation. Then the R stands for reality. And that is essentially like helping the client to really understand where are they now in relation to their goal? What's the impact of some of the challenges that they might be experiencing on their ability to achieve that? Um, what are some of the things that they've tried? What are some of the things that they um, would still like to do? So just really helping the clients open up and explore a 360 around uh, where they are in relation to their goal. Then they move on to options. So generating different options to be able to um, achieve their goal. And it's really important in the options phase that you don't take all the options as actions. So it's about 
being magical and creative. So starting to think of new ways that you might be able to achieve that goal. And then the W is for will or way forward, which is about, so what will you do? What will you take forward? Um, how committed are you to achieving that? What obstacles might get in the way? So it's a semi-structure for a conversation. Um, and it you don't have to follow it rigidly, like G-R-O-W. You will find yourself moving around the structure of that conversation based on things that the client um that the client shares at the time. And the the grow model, um, I should mention who referenced it, Joe, and you'll be better at this than me, is John Whittingham, isn't it? Or Whit Whitting. John Whitmore. Whitmore. There you go. I always get John Whittingham and John Whitmore mixed up because they, they're both contributors in the industry. Yeah. John Whitmore is the creator of the Grow Model. And he's got a great book, Coaching for Performance, if that's something that people want to read more on. How important is it, do you think, that whether it's a learner or coach, coach, or whatever, that they actually agree and are actually enthusiastic about that goal? What what significance does that have rather than just me saying, this is what we do in today, whether you like it or not? Do you know, I, I think that when, when um, people are able to own their own outcomes, they are more motivated to engage in that experience. And I also think it's really important that regardless of the experience that you might have in the industry, regardless of how many clients you may have like bought to, uh, you know, the test day, you have to believe in your client. Even if you think there's no way they're going to achieve that goal in 10 lessons, like, no chance. It doesn't really matter whether they do or don't, but you have to bring the energy of belief to your client because that is ultimately what they need. Now, if you get to the, let's say a client's like, right, I want to pass my test in 10 lessons. That's all I've got. I've only got that money to invest. You know, that's, that's it. As, as the instructor, I would share, like engage with that client in the spirit of belief that they can absolutely do it. Because if you bring that energy, they are more likely to be able to follow in that energy and achieve that goal. Now, if they get to that 10th lesson and they haven't achieved it, that's okay because you both brought everything to the table. And so at the end of the 10th lesson, you might say, you know, they don't pass their test. However, the process works. You're then able to come back to it and say, okay, so what do we do now? You know, where do we go next? You know, what's the most important thing for you right now? Whereas if you come at the energy of like, never going to happen, you know, the client is immediately going to have that energy, doubt themselves, you know, stumble through all of the actions. Um, and if you don't believe that it's possible, then it's just not, it's not possible. And so both client and coach need to come together, whatever the goals are created and, you know, and with the spirit of great then let's let's give this the best shot we've got. I think a fundamental point to remember here as well is that it's an adult to adult relationship. It's not a parent child relationship. So engaging with the other person as an equal, equal value, equal worth is really, really important. From a business point of view for the instructor, if they are engaging in a uh, do to rather than do with, and we describe a coaching relationship as do with rather than do to, it's highly unlikely that they will get recommended for future business because the individual is going to come away and people will say, oh, what's your driving instructor like? And they're probably going to say, oh, don't bother. 
It's yeah. horrible. I hate my driving lessons. I don't look forward to them. I don't even really learn much. And I would even go as far as to say, perhaps the likelihood of them actually even making mistakes in the lesson are increased as a result of the distraction from the dynamic that has been created in that relationship. So if we go back to the purpose of the lesson, the purpose of the lesson is to obviously impart uh, knowledge and skills to build competency. And in order to be able to do that, both the person, the learner driver and the instructor, I think need to engage in a growth mindset. So the instructor probably the best place to start is role modeling a growth mindset themselves so they can say look I know about driving but I don't know about you you're an expert in you let's put those two things together and let's work out a plan that's going to help you to achieve your goal yeah it always amuses me um you know when I get someone on their first lesson and you know we'll talk about what they might want to do what they know what they don't know that kind of stuff and the answer is always i don't know you're the instructor you would tell me but within five or six lessons they'll be texting me between lessons saying can can we do this next lesson and it's like you, you see that growth and i think and I'd, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this actually i think a lot of the time especially with younger people they've not been asked before what they would like to do or, or what their thoughts are they've they'll go through school and they'll go through work and they're just told do this, do this, do this, do this. And when they get asked, you're given the choice, they don't always know how to answer. Is that something that you've come across before? Yeah, absolutely. Not with my own children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you grow up with coaches, it might be a bit different. But I, yeah, I, we used to do a lot of work um, in universities and we would experience that, um, that up up until a certain point you know you go through school you're told what to learn you're told what homework you're going to be doing and it was at this point that I had a power cut thankfully uh, Joe and Zoe are wonderful people who were kind enough to hang about while that got resolved and then finished recording the show so in a minute we will get back to the show but just going to take this opportunity to thank our latest sign-up to the Instructor Podcast Premium, Helen Phillips. Helen Phillips is the latest sign-up, and she now has access to well over 70 exclusive shows for the Premium members, including the two most recent ones, which is the ADI Mindfulness Podcast with San Harper and the Being Better Podcast with Bob. With San, we spoke quite in detail about the need to take a break and knowing when to take a break and how you go about that. And with Bob's latest show, we spoke about the art of using non-judgmental language, as well as taking a question from one of my members over there. But as I said, there's well over seven exclusive shows available to anyone that signs up. And you get a whole host of discounts, including San Harper's Guild of Mindful Drivers and Bob Martin's Client Set of Learning. And the best way to check that out is to head to www.theinstructorpodcast.com. Take a look around there. Take a look at the premium section. You can sign up for £10 a month and you get access to all that awesome stuff. So www.theinstructorpodcast.com or you can use a direct link in the show notes. But for now, let's get stuck back into this episode. So after that little technical snafu, which mainly involved the uh, the workers outside my flat going through some sort of power cable and uh, causing a little issue for our interview, uh, we are back. Um, so Zoe, do you want to continue where you left off? Yeah, we were talking about young adults and whether they'd had much um, 
much space to think about what their own kind of needs and thoughts are around things. And I think, um, uh, you know, in in that little break that we had whilst uh, your internet was getting <laughs> rebooted, <laughs> I was thinking around actually how learning to drive is a really pivotal part in a young person's life. And that you're not really in the market of teaching people to drive. You're in the market of enabling freedom. And I think it's a, a really important part of, um, not. I know not everybody learns to drive, but those that do, it's a really important part of their growth as, a, as an adult. Um, and so I think where you model in your driving lessons, you know, asking people for their opinion, asking them for their thoughts, treating them as Joe described in an adult to adult relationship. You're doing so much more than helping someone to learn how to drive. You're setting them up for a future of their adult freedom. And, and I think that that is, it doesn't directly answer to, you know, have children or young adults being asked what they think before, but it's just a a side of what sign of what is to come in the rest of their adult life as they enter into the working world, they're only going to have more and more of it. So in many ways, instructors are in a very privileged position to be that almost that first step on the journey for many of um, enabling people to ignite their own inner coach and make decisions for themselves in an empowered way. Ignite their own inner coach. I like that one. That's good. Um, I want to step back from sort of the learner side for a second or maybe expand on that and look at instructors because as instructors, we should, use the word carefully, should be looking to develop. We should be looking to improve. We should be taking part in CPD. And there's a lot of resistance with that within our industry. And one of the things, again, is around coaching. So I try and look for ways that I can improve my coaching. Um Spoiler, uh, you guys are on my list for uh, 2023. Um, so unfortunately, you might be seeing a little bit more of me going forward. But um, <laughs> I, there, there is negativity around that, around the sort of the personal development side of it. And I'd just be curious if, you know, you guys came into the coaching world and I'm wondering what, if you send negativity around coaching and around personal development or whether it's all been sort of sunshine and rainbows. I think um, sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. I would say, but there can be anxiety around investing financially in CPD and being, un, you know, we don't know what we don't know, do we? Well, we, we see a course, what's it going to actually get for us? What's the return on investment when we work for ourselves and, and undertaking CPD requires us to take time out of the business. There's lost revenue from the time that you're spending learning, but actually it's about seeing the bigger picture. It's about, you know, what you learn, how you apply that learning, um, the connections that you make, the ideas that you have uh, for your business and how you can continue to provide uh, you know, an excellent service to your clients. So that would be my take on it. I mean, sorry, go on, sorry. Well, I was just um, reflecting on, you know, what you were saying around the industry and how it's changed. And I think it's important to acknowledge that change can be threatening for people. And that's probably where a lot of the resistance comes from isn't so much coaching per se, like it might be some other change that is being brought in, but it threatens the status quo. It threatens that expert status of, I know what I'm doing and this works and this is good. And if I change it, then, then what, what if I'm not good enough at the alternative? What if I don't so easily step into this 
new identity that is expected of me? What if I'm not good enough then? And I think change always threatens our sense of safety and, and the sense of where we've got to. And also to acknowledge that's okay. You know, everybody is on their own journey with with where they are coming from and where they are going to. And I think if you can just bring 5% curiosity to the table in the first instance, you know, you don't have to go the whole hog and be like, right, I'm all in with this coaching malarkey. Just bring a little bit of curiosity. Just open up your mind a tiny bit to think, what if I just tried one thing that was different? And, and then try that on and see how that works. And after you've tried that one thing, you might be like, okay, well, that wasn't so bad. You know, maybe let's try another one thing. And so I think it's just um, having respect for for where everybody is coming from, because everyone will be in different parts of their journey and, and their relationship to learning and their relationship to change and having some patience as well. And there will be people like you who are the champions and, you know, you do you and keep doing you because you'll be inspiring people to follow in your footsteps and support those who are perhaps slower on the uptake or more resistant to the uptake to, to be there in their own time. Joe, you were going to build. And I think, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with all that you're saying there, Zoe. And, and also it's that the more I think that an instructor can keep in contact with what it is to be a learner, the experience of what it is to be a learner, the better that they will be as an instructor. So whether you're learning about coaching and mentoring or you're learning about something else that's going to help you to grow and develop as a driving instructor, being able to be in that position of, first of all, I don't know what I don't know. So we talk about that this kind of ladder. There's that place of unconscious incompetence. So I don't know what I don't know. Then we get to that step, which is, oh, I, now I realise what I don't know. And then we get to, all right, so I've really got to think about this, uh, you know, and then I can do that um, unconsciously. And actually, when we share that with people, when they start our training, we give the example of learning to drive on our coaching courses. So there's definitely affinity there um, between the two. Um, but rem a reminder of all of the emotions that you experience when you are a learner, again, I think is important. Um yeah, for your development as a driving instructor, regardless. No, it's uh, I think valid points on 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 both parts there. It's uh, well, it is amusing me slightly because I'm thinking about we we get what we call a standards check, which is where the an examiner sits in the back of our car and watches us deliver a lesson and assesses us. And uh, that reminds me what it's like to be a learner. And I ignore all the yeah. advice that I've given to them over the years and just do the exact opposite and panic for for forty minutes. But. <laughs> Um, yeah, I like the advice there as well about, um, you know, dipping your toe in the water and trying one thing. It's, you know, the DVSA are encouraging more culture. They, they call it client-centered learning. And, and when they brought this in, I was, I think I've said before, kind of the, the alternative mindset. You know, we can't give people the choice. We're the instructors. We know best. Grr. It was very much like that. And it, then it was just, what would happen if I asked them what they want to do on this lesson? And that was my starting point. And the, the fear and the thing that everyone says online is they'll say motorways. And no one's ever said motorways on their first lesson. And even if they did, you'd work out what you'd explain some more work with them and why motorways isn't necessarily an ideal first driving lesson and go from there. So, yeah, definitely um, a good shot, I think. But we speak about dipping your toe in the water and we can talk about your podcast there. That's um, an ideal place for someone to start if they were thinking about 
you know, going and, and taking a coaching qualification. They could come in and, and dip their foot in the What We Are podcast. So do you want to take a moment, uh, and I'll let you decide between yourselves who's going to start off with this one, um, to tell us a bit more about your podcast and the other services that you offer to people? If I start with the podcast, so our podcast is released first thing every Monday morning. So it's weekly and it's normally a 20 minute uh, podcast. So you can listen to it, you know, in a break or on your way to your first client even, and perhaps to set you up for a week. So it's bite-sized pieces of information. Often it's on topics that have been nominated within our coaching crowd Facebook group. So we like you, Terry, like to respond to the topics that our listeners like to hear about. And if you're not one for audio, uh, we also record the podcast and you can watch them via our YouTube channel, which is called In Good Company with Joe Wheatley and Zoe Hawkins. Yeah. And in terms of our services, obviously, we are a coaching training organization. So we have programs ranging from self-guided programs for somebody who might just want to start dip their toe in, gain some foundational knowledge, right through to master's level qualifications for people who are going to be doing um, one-to-one work and potentially even group work with clients. So uh, we see ourselves as a one-stop shop for coaching uh, services. So both Joe and I are one-to-one coaches, as well as being able to offer our coaching training. Awesome. And Um, those training courses are available in the evening on a weekly format. They're available in what we call a semi-intensive option and also fully intensive option. And if you're not sure which level would be right for you, you can take our three-minute quiz, which is at mycoachingcourse.com. And if you're interested in information about our different levels of courses, you can go straight to our website, which is rgcompany.co.uk and you'll find full details and you can also book there too Uh, you mentioned three minute quiz i'm gonna pull on that slightly because it took me longer than three minutes because it really (laughs) made me think there were a few (laughs) questions i don't know know what the answer is Uh, but i am a perfect match for diploma in effective coaching and mentoring so uh, i'll be looking into that next year that's the level Um, that's the level five yeah Yeah. And uh, do you know, Terry, it's really interesting that you reached out to us because we've started to have a lot more contact with the driving instructing industry, which, to be honest, took us by surprise about 18 months ago when somebody reached out to us and told us how the industry was changing. But since then, we've had a couple of driving instructors join us on our program. So it's definitely working its way through the industry for sure. Awesome. Uh, well, hopefully this will help. Um, but yeah, so anyone listening, uh, you can go check out the show, uh, the links in the show notes for everything that was mentioned there. And uh, when the transcription goes on the website, there'll be links over there as well, theinstructorpodcast.com. But uh, I want to finish up with the question that I know you've been mighty looking forward to, and I'll come to you first, So we actually. Um, what is the ultimate driving song? What song am I going to add to my Instructor Podcast Spotify playlist? So I know we had a chat behind the scenes, didn't we? And it was a who's in control of the playlist at the time, because whilst we've been driving around this weekend, my kids have been in charge and I've been uh, enjoying the dulcet tones of High School Musical, which wouldn't be my first choice. Uh, I really like um, the song Happy by Pharrell Williams. I think it's a really just uplifting, fun tune that you can sing along to, but um, I can put on anything and if I'm on my own, I happily sing along, uh, you know, usually fairly loudly, um, which is about the only space I can do that because I'm not offending <laughs> anybody whilst I do. So. Um, I I would be more inclined for High School Musical, I'm not, not going to lie, <laughs> but happy we'll be in there. And, and Joel, let's uh, ask you the same question. 
Yeah, and I said I'm absolutely useless at these questions, which I am. Um, so I would just say I have, I guess, quite an eclectic uh, taste in music. Can't think of an obvious song right now, but I love electro swing music. Um, and I also went to the Cider Music Festival recently and really enjoyed a band called, uh, I think they're called Land of the Giants. Is that right? <laughs> but got that right and we're going to see them um we're going to see them again in december so uh something from them as well okay well i'll find a song from land of the giants but on i'll find one that that interests me uh, okay just before we wrap up is there any final message or is there anything else you'd like to mention before we disappear do you know i think, I think the one thing that popped into <laughs> you did ask me before I think we one thing that to, pop- to suggest by name and that was why <laughs> So the one thing that popped into my mind is that it can be daunting if you're used to being in a particular community, like a driving instructor community, to think about, you know, coming into or joining another community like the coaching community. And I'd just like to say it's a hugely supportive community. Everybody is welcome. There's huge diversity um, on our programmes. We have everybody from theatre directors, obviously people from HR background like like we are, but also yoga instructors, pilots, military leavers, and everything and anything in between. And our role is to support all of our learners, whatever their background, whatever they want to do with the qualification, and to support them with any particular learning needs that they might have so that they can exceed on our course the same as everybody else. So if you are listening and you're thinking, do you know what? I am interested in coaching. I wasn't sure if it was for me. I just would like to say we would welcome you and support you in your own journey with coaching. And I would add um, that the magic about coaching and and whatever journey you go on with coaching and learning it is it also has a very um, positive impact on your everyday life and your everyday mental health. So coaching isn't just about helping others and enabling others. It's about really learning to master your own mindset because in order to be able to serve others, you also serve yourself and you get to experience being coached and and having coaching. And so, yes, there may be an interest in wanting to do it for your career, but just in terms of the broader personal development, it is likely you'll get a huge amount out of investing in um, you know, learning about coaching from a personal perspective as much as a professional one. Awesome. Well, uh, when I started this podcast back in April 2021, um, the, the, one of the big reasons I started it was because I didn't think there was anything like this out there. This is what I wanted to listen to. And uh, and this is one of the episodes that I would have loved listening to and uh, even better stays that I get to take part. So big thank you, Joe and Zoe, for joining me. It's very much appreciated. You're very welcome. Thanks for having us. It's been a pleasure. So big thank you to Zoe and Joe there. Really appreciate them joining me on the podcast, not just for their wonderful wisdom and insight, but also for the fact that they uh, had to endure a power cut. Um, yeah, very grateful that they, uh, they hung about to finish the show. But also, it was fascinating getting the, the insights of coaches from outside of the industry. We had a lot of coaches on before. We had a lot of people from outside the industry before, but we've never had outsiders come to talk specifically about coaching so i thought the overlap there was really interesting um and and some of the perspective that they might suggest we bring striving definitely worth another listen Uh, maybe listen a second time with a pen and paper 
And you can find all the links to their stuff in the show notes, as always, the Facebook group, uh, the podcast, the coaching crowd, and the website. You can find those in the show notes. But for now, I am going to read you one of my more recent reviews. It's another five-star one, which is good, because if there were less than five stars, I probably wouldn't be reading it. And this one is titled, The Best CPD I've Listened To. Uh, I'm going to take that as a compliment. And it's by Simon Jenner and it says, excellent podcast. I like the way it just seems like friends having a chat most of the time. Terry's way of asking questions and getting the best out of his guests seems effortless. I've learned so much from listening to these recently, even though I've been in the industry for 16 years. Well, thank you, Simon, for that that review. That's over on Apple Podcasts. I really appreciate that. And I am glad that I'm now uh, your best or one of your best cpd forms um so yeah hopefully that the rest of you guys are enjoying that as well and if you want to leave me a review and potentially have that read out you can do it on apple that's a great place to do it you can do it on facebook you can do it on google all that kind of stuff or you could just send me a message i i love receiving messages i get quite a few warm messages there's a lot that i don't read out because they contain other things that wouldn't be appropriate. But I, I love your feedback. Uh, even if it's negative feedback, I welcome it because I can look to improve. So, yeah, feel free to send me your reviews and feel free to send me feedback. But for now, I'm going to love you and leave you, and I hope you have a smashing week. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them.